Next on Light on the Hill, we'll show you that the Proverbs contain the key to understanding Bible prophecy. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all I need is We're going from Genesis to Revelation here on Light on the Hill, emphasizing many of the areas pertinent to Bible prophecy. Today, we'll be going through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Maybe like many, you've never really made the connection between prophecy and these books of poetry. Pastor James Cadiz is here now and will raise our awareness. Probably one of my favorite examples from the book of Proverbs that might help you better understand the overall picture, right? Here's a primary example of everything that I'm saying about understanding the underlining current to know the deltas, the ebbs, the flows, everything that goes with Bible prophecy, you don't get it if you don't understand a book like Proverbs. Let me give you one example. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us something unique. You don't even have to turn there. You can if you want. I'm going to quote it from memory. It doesn't matter. If you want to read it, you can write it down. You can mark it in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, starting in verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Full stop. Lean not on your own understanding. Full stop. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. There's a promise that comes with the first three commands. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is the most common verse quoted to people who want to know what God's will is for their life. Nothing wrong with wanting to know what God's will is for your life, right? And Proverbs chapter three is the perfect formula for that. But that's the nominal version of that tool and for what it can be used. Looking at that passage to determine what God's will for your life is, is like taking a screwdriver and using it to hammer a nail in, right? It works and it can be beneficial, but you're not using it for the tool that it was intended to be used for, right? Or it would be like taking a hammer and hammering into wood what a wood screw would be doing for a screw that goes into wood. You understand what I'm saying? You're using the wrong tool for the wrong purpose. Think about this for a second, and I'm going to make the case. You're going to understand it. Hopefully, it'll come to life for you. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Think about those commands in context of Bible prophecy for just one moment, right? God tells you something is going to happen. You can handle it one of two ways. You can say, wow, be a spectator, be a little uh, leery of it, and maybe think, I'll believe it when I see it. Or you could hear the prophetic word given to you and you can say, I'm going to trust in the Lord with my whole heart, right? Then you can start to reason it out. Well, how in the world can that even happen? I mean, I know God's word says it's going to happen, but man, I can't see how this can work. I remember 10 years ago, Don Stewart calls me up. He says, James, uh, what are you doing on Monday? Go, uh, 
I, I got stuff to do, but no, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to come down to the K-Wave studio and you're going to do Pastor's Perspective with me. It's the very first episode of Pastor's Perspective that I ever did with Don. And Don introduces me to everybody on Pastor's Perspective as the sort of the uh, coronated expert on the Middle East. And I kind of looked at Don and kind of muted the radio while the questions going on. I'm like, dude, we all don't look the same, number one. And I'm not an expert just because I'm from there, okay? And he laughed a little bit. He goes, shut up, man. I know what's all what it's all about, you know? So we got people asking us questions and they call up and again and again and again, they're asking all kinds of questions. The number one questions that were coming in were questions about, you guessed it, because of the time period, ISIS, right? Oh, James, what do you think about ISIS? Are you concerned about ISIS? Are you concerned about ISIS? I said something that got somebody so angry at me that they wrote me a letter from prison, from prison, threatening to kill me if they got off. I kid you not, no joke. This is what I said. I'm not worried about ISIS. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Look, ISIS represents the Sunni. They're the majority of Muslims. What I think we should really worry about is Iran. People thought I was crazy. And then they thought I was even crazier because I said, and by the way, when it comes to Iran, what we really should start looking forward to or looking for is the possibility that Iran might somehow find itself in Syria working with the Russians and the Turks. People thought I was a kook. They said, you're nuts. I got crazy letters because it's so far-fetched. Well, what did Proverbs tell me? Trust the Lord with all of my heart. Okay, check. I believe God's word. Don't lean on your own understanding. Uh-oh. My own understanding says, in world history, Iran has never worked with Russia particularly in Syria. That's never happened. The Turks very likely are not going to get involved on any level because they're still kind of friends with Israel. There's no way. That's not going to happen. Guess what leaning on my own understanding drives me to? Leaning on my own understanding drives me to come to a conclusion based on current circumstances that are not biblical. Oh, that'll never happen. No, sorry. I'm not concerned with ISIS. Oh yeah, I'm concerned with the fact that they're Muslims and if you're a Islamic fundamentalist, that means you believe in the fundamentals of the Quran, which means you believe in death to anybody who opposes Allah or does not submit to Allah. So fine, fair enough. I guess I'm concerned with that aspect, but I'm really more concerned with something that nobody is concerned with. And what, what, what happens? They mock you, they think you're crazy, you're, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. A little bit of time goes by and all of a sudden, what do we begin to hear two years later, right? Maybe three years later, Obama draws the line. He says, I'm drawing a red line in the sand. Remember that whole speech? And he says, Syria better not do what it does. And pretty soon what happens? Russia says, Obama, don't worry about it. You're not putting your foot down. I'm going to go visit a little place called Georgia. And I'm going to spend some time over there while we start messing around with Crimea. And um, if you want some help in the Middle East, you can come see us. And when all of that started to happen, you know what Russia started doing? Russia started creeping in creeping into Syria, right? Now, when you stop to look at the condition right now, the condition right now, let's just hit the rewind button to two years ago. Almost two years ago, Russia has a meeting. Putin specifically has a meeting with all of his men. He publishes the content of a security meeting for one phrase to get out to the whole world. And that's this. We need to protect our border that borders Israel. 
Anybody who knows anything about geography says, wait, that doesn't make sense. There is no Russian border against Israel. What Putin was actually saying is, we are in Syria and we're here to stay, and we are actually declaring our position at the Syrian-Israeli border as sovereign territory that cannot be infringed upon by anybody in the international community. And you know what the rest of the world did? They didn't say a word. They didn't peep. This is after Crimea. This is after Georgia. This is after all the crazy things that happened. Oh, let's back up for a second. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Check. Lean not on your own understanding. If you leaned on your own understanding, you wouldn't even believe that Iran would have been an enemy of Israel. Iran was friends with Israel until the late 70s. Most people would look at that and say, no way Iran becomes an enemy of any of them. There's no way. You trust in God's word, you realize, oh, that makes sense. You listen to an old recording that Pastor Chuck did in the 1970s. Actually, early 1970s, where he said he's not worried about the Cold War. He's not worried about what's going on between the United States and Russia. Matter of fact, goes as far as to say... United States is not going to be all that consequential, so don't worry about it. What I'd worry about is Iran and Russia. And people are like, you're nuts. You're crazy. Boy, Chuck would roll in his grave if he got to see all the things that we're formulating right now that he said would happen. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. When you don't lean on your own understanding, do you understand how much more Bible prophecy opens up to you, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? How often do you hear people teach Bible prophecy that seem to be on a good path forward? They seem to really know what they're talking about and do what they're doing. And they end up kind of getting to a spot where they begin to start saying really crazy things. You ever heard that, Right? Oh, I've heard some nutso things being said. I've heard prophecy guys talk about the kind of things that are just absolutely cuckoo, right? Like cuckoo. Just go completely off the deep end. Why? Because they may have trusted in God with all of their heart. They may have not leaned on their own understanding, but at some point they stopped acknowledging God in all their ways. So now all of a sudden, they're making predictions about when the rapture is going to happen. Or all of a sudden, they're beginning to say all kinds of things that are coming down the road that have nothing to do with what the Scripture ever insinuated. Why? Because there was a point in time where you took your eyes off the Lord and you started bringing things into fruition based on your own understanding, your own ideas, your own thoughts. You stopped acknowledging God. What's the promise? You trust the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's the, the killer one, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. You understand the idea behind directing your paths? I look at it like Mario Kart. Anybody ever played Mario Kart before, right? Okay, I'm being funny here. You got you to gotta bear with me when I do this, right? I, I think I've played Mario Kart a total amount of times in my adult life, married to my wife, maybe a hundred times, right? We'll play it every now and again, one game at night, 
most of the time when the kids are asleep so that nobody hears what's going on and we'll play one game with one another, right? Typically about 20 minutes of our life we can't get back, but it's fun. There's a little mode we both turn on when we play this game. And the mode, actually when you click it, keeps the go-kart from falling off the edge, right? So you could technically, when you're playing this, when you're playing with it this way, it's like having the, the uh, bumper shields up, like the bumpers when you're bowling, right? It's the same kind of thing. When you start going in the wrong direction, what does it do? It steers you, right? So you don't fall off the edge. When you acknowledge God in all of your ways, it's like you flipping that switch. Guess what happens? You could be going straight towards the edge at a zillion miles an hour. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to steer you away from it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will do what? He will direct your paths. In other words, he's going to keep you looking in the right direction. Most of the time when you see guys teaching Bible prophecy, when they take their eyes off the Lord, they start saying crazy, insane things that don't relate to the validity of what's being communicated. They just lose their minds. Why? Because they stopped acknowledging the Lord. By the way, it's very interesting. It's not a coincidence how the next verse says... Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now it begins to make sense. If you were to look at this just from the perspective of practical application that has nothing to do with Bible prophecy, you would lose. You would never understand how it all culminates. By the way, there are lots of passages like this in the book of Proverbs. Lots of them. As a matter of fact, an overwhelming majority of the passages like this can be applied to the same principle. Should we have a little game? How about one of you, just off the top of your head, call out a chapter and verse in Proverbs? By the way, uh, if you stay within probably anywhere from anywhere from verses 1 through 10, you won't go overboard. And if you stay, you know, anything under 31 chapters, you'll do it. Someone just make up a chapter and verse and give it to me. Anybody? 14.7. Okay, let's go to 14.7. I don't even, I can't even think of that one off the top of my head. Let's go do that and see if we can find an application for how we look at Bible prophecy. By the way, I'm not really crazy blind going into this. I actually tried this for a while in preparing for this, right? I played this little game and it works every single time. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7, right? By the way, this is interesting because when you look at the book of Proverbs, there are certain sections of the Proverbs where you actually have to look at clusters of verses to get the exact meaning. Proverbs chapter 3 is one of those examples. In Proverbs 14, it doesn't work that way. It's a simple verse, gives you the intended uh, context of the meaning. So let's look at Proverbs 14, 7. It says this, Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Apply that to Bible prophecy. No, I'm serious. Think about this for a second. Look what it's telling us to do. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. How many foolish men do you see online right now telling you about what the Bible says when in reality they are not exhibiting an understanding or knowledge of the scripture? How many, convi how many guys that are mainstream powerful bible prophecy guides the world calls them powerful they're known by everybody oh they know everything about this subject you begin to realize something you start to listen to them and you begin to realize people watch them because of who they are nationally speaking or maybe where they're from but you realize something very quickly their knowledge of the scripture is remarkably diminished 
So they might sound good and they might have really good information about specific aspects of Bible prophecy because maybe they understand things about language or demographics or, you know, different aspects of that. But when you, the moment you perceive that they don't understand the scriptures, walk away from them. You want to know why? Because they're going to lead you away from the truth. Anyone want to pick another one? How about we pick another one? Throw one out. Yes, sir. One seven. Okay, let's go there. I actually know which one that's going to be. You guys are giving me easy ones, by the way. Okay, I'm just, I'm telling you this right now. You, you are giving me very, very easy ones. Okay, so let's do Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. It says, the fear of the Lord, notice this, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Can that be more obvious for the application of Bible prophecy? Can anyone make the application of that more obvious? A foolish person chooses to accept information as it comes to them. When I started watching guys teaching Bible prophecy 30 years ago, when I started studying it, I used to watch guys say the most insane, psychopathic, crazy things in the world because the type of tools that people have today to fact check them never existed. So they said insane things and people believed them, right? And I'm not saying like, there were guys in the old school that said completely insane things, but they were actually true. Like Chuck Missler said some of the most insane, you would listen to him and go, he's crazy. Like the guy has lost his mind. And then a few years go by and you went, oh boy, he was right, right? I'm not talking about guys that are well-researched and make really psycho statements because they sound psycho. I'm talking about guys that just make these authoritative statements that are based on foolishness. One more. How we do, can we just pick one more? Let's pick one that even would feel difficult. Anybody just throw one out to me. 18.1. All right, let's go to Proverbs 18.1. And hopefully this helps to prove my point. I hope everybody understands this. It helps to prove my point. Woo! Woo, woo, woo. Look at this one. All right, this one's kind of exciting. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Think about that for a second. What happens when you have an internal strife within your heart and your desire drives you to a particular conclusion based on a lack of objectivity for the truth? How many times have I heard people do this? Well, I know the Lord has to come back. Oh, he has to go. Listen, we've seen all these things. It has to be before the end of the year. So it's going to happen here. I just had somebody write me a very passionate letter, a very impassioned letter telling me that the Lord has to come back on the 9th of Av. That's not true. You want to know how I know that's not true? It's not true because you set the date. That's how I know for sure it's not going to happen. Right? But isn't it funny how that works? Isn't it funny how a man can work himself into a place of no understanding? Look, there is nowhere in this book where you could not take the principle being communicated, maybe with the exception of a portion of Proverbs 31, where that might not necessarily apply in that context, but even then, in the totality of the context of Proverbs 31, you can easily come to those conclusions, right? So when someone, the next time somebody comes to you and says that the book of Proverbs does not have any bearing or significance on Bible prophecy, correct them. And now you've been armed with the understanding of why. I bet you, can I, can I just tell you this? I bet you anything, I bet you anything that now you will start looking at the book of Proverbs completely differently, right? 
I bet you now anything that you will start reading the book of Proverbs instead of this thing that you do every day of the week to get a little bit of wisdom. I bet you now you're going to look at it differently because you're going to recognize that Proverbs has the key to understanding Bible prophecy, right? We're going through the Bible with Pastor James Cadiz here on Light on the Hill. This series, entitled In the Volume of the Book, emphasizes the prophecy found in every book of the Bible. To catch what you may have missed in the series, just go to lightonthehillradio.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. The studies are also available through the Light on the Hill app. We're thankful for the listeners that come alongside of us with prayer and even financial support. You help us do what we do each day, and we're so grateful for that. To donate today to help us deliver God's Word daily, visit lightonthehillradio.com. You can also give through the Light on the Hill app. If you enjoy Bible prophecy and want to hear even more, I recommend Pastor James's online videos. Many of them relate to current events and connect to Bible prophecy. You can access them at jamescadiz.com. You can also access Countdown to Eternity there or at countdown2eternity.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to our program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your Bible prophecy questions and your prayer requests. You can do so through our website, lightonthehillradio.com. Now let's look at Ecclesiastes for a few minutes to see the Bible prophecy contained in this book. How about this? How about Ecclesiastes? Now some people will say, Ecclesiastes? Give me a break. That's nuts. The title itself kind of implies the preacher. It makes no sense. This is a guy who babbles. He goes on and on and on and on about all the crazy things that he tried. All the things that he did and how it didn't work. How does that apply to Bible prophecy? Same exact principle with Proverbs, except with a couple of caveats. Obviously, you have to understand the context of Ecclesiastes, right? The context of Ecclesiastes is a man who has been given everything that he could ever want in the known world in which he lived, right? He had women, he had money, he had riches, he had... He became an expert in plants. He did everything that you could think of. Everything under the sun, this guy is done. And he comes to one conclusion. By the way, the one conclusion that he comes to at the end of the book, why don't we just start there? The very end of the book, let's just start with that conclusion, right? Because that conclusion is perhaps the most significant and perhaps maybe the most powerful. The one that I think is a one to be looking at and to not forget, okay? Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole letter or the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Here's the prophetic part that everybody focuses on because it is a literal piece of Bible prophecy that gets fulfilled at the end of Revelation. He says, For God shall bring every good work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Sounds like potentially the Bema seat judgment that we as Christians will experience. Also sounds like the white throne judgment potentially. For those that are not believers, interesting picture. That's, a, that's definitely a prophecy, right? It's the only place that is like the traditional prophecy kind of subset that you might see. But Ecclesiastes does the same exact thing for you that Proverbs does in that when you will learn of the collective wisdom that comes from a passage like the book of Ecclesiastes, then you will actually understand the full constraints of everything being communicated. 
right? Can I give you one? This is one that I shared with you guys prior. I shared it with you a few weeks ago. Okay, Ecclesiastes verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10. This is a, is a wise principle. Let, let me just say this. If you want to understand Bible prophecy, right? This principle will teach you something that is heavy. It will teach you a principle that is actually quite confrontational. And if you kind of get this, you'll understand the significance of it, right? How about this? It says this, verse 10, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. What does that mean? Think about it. I have an ax. If I take an ax and I don't sharpen it, wetting it, is that what, that's what that means. If I don't sharpen the ax and I take a blunt ax, it doesn't have any sharpening and I swing it at a tree I'll be swinging at that tree forever and I'm not cutting anything down but if I take the time to sharpen that the edge of that axe everybody wants to just do it come on swing 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 how many people do you hear say you just work hard and as long as you work hard everything will be okay not true Here's the promise as long as you work hard. As long as you work hard, you're guaranteed to get tired. Nothing wrong with that. Getting tired is a sign of hard work. That's good. It's not just working hard. Just working hard will, working hard your whole life will get you to the place where you were able to survive, but you had nothing to show for it. Right? It's about working hard and being efficient. It's about working hard and harnessing the work that you are capable of doing to accomplish and meet a greater purpose. We'll finish up this message next time on Light on the Hill with Pastor James Cadiz, a listener-supported ministry of Calvary Chapel, Signal Hill. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you. Cause all